Hey y'all, Cable here. This week's podcast proudly brought to you by Scentblocker. This week only, going on right now, it's the Scentblocker holiday hoodie sale. Purchase any jacket and pant combo. That's right, any Scentblocker suit, and you'll get a free pro hoodie. The MSRP is uh, $99.99, but you'll get it for free with this promotional offer going on right now. The pro hoodie is lightweight, it's breathable, it's got antimicrobials in the fabric, dye sublimated graphics, and it's moisture wicking. Like I said, MSRP $99.99, and you'll get it for free with the purchase of any Scentblocker suit. So do yourself a favor, head on over to Scentblocker.com to get your free pro hoodie today. Never been good at being good, but I get around just right. That's just the way it is, just the way I am. Just the way I live my life Soon as I stumble onto something good I go and mess things up Guess I'm good Good morning, good morning, good morning, sweet beautiful Texas and beyond. Breaking Stuff is the name of that one. George Duke is kicking things off for us on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. I'm Cable Smith. So great to be here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks today. Appreciate you tuning in and uh, sharing a part of your weekend with me as it is, man, it's about the best time of year. We've got deer season in full swing. The rut should be winding down in some areas, but heating up the farther south you go. Uh, So we've got that going on, plus waterfowl season. Uh, We're actually in the split unless you're out west uh, but it will open up again next weekend and uh, should be one of the best second splits in recent memory heck we've got a record duck hatch on our hands uh, so we'll see how that all plays out Uh, but it is it is good to be living the wildlife with y'all we've got a great show planned for you today so you know what to do by now Uh, pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire grab that beat up thermos that green Stanley that's got mud and blood caked on it from five years of abuse in the duck blind. You know the one I'm talking about. Anyway, pour yourself another cup of coffee because we are ready to rock and roll. It's going to be a good one off the top. We'll be joined by our friend and Bison Coolers owner, Jeremy Denson. Uh, we'll talk a little South Dakota pheasant hunting as he just returned from a uh, upland hunt up there. And then we'll pick Jeremy's brain on how to break into the outdoor industry as far as, you know, starting your own business, being an entrepreneur, and how to make your own way in this very competitive marketplace. We both get asked uh, frequently, mostly by young, ambitious guys who are passionate about hunting and fishing, you know, how can they make a career out of the hunting and fishing industry? And so Jeremy's a great person to uh, visit with on that subject so we're looking forward to uh, picking his brain in just a minute then our old buddy cody robertson founder of army bass anglers uh, former lieutenant colonel in the u.s army Uh, he'll join us he's been wearing them out on the guadalupe river Uh, and so we'll talk some largemouth bass uh, also guadalupe bass uh, the state fish of texas and what uh, approach he takes when fishing a smaller body of water, a smaller river compared to a large reservoir. So we'll get into all that good stuff with Cody. Also get uh, his prediction for the upcoming Bassmaster Classic as well. After that, 
Ben Carter, the executive director of Dallas Safari Club, will make his return to the show. We'll get into the ethics behind high fence hunting, his role as a conservation tool, and how it all pertains to some recent news regarding canned lion hunts in South Africa. How is that any different from, uh, you know, uh, hunting one of the three species that Texas ranches saved from extinction, like the uh, scimitar horned oryx, the dama gazelle, and the attics? How do we differentiate between what high fence hunting is okay and what isn't? And uh, I don't ride the fence on that issue at all. I'll give you my opinion as uh, someone who has hunted behind high fences and and someone who regularly chooses to hunt free range as well. Uh, It'll be an interesting discussion. I guarantee you that. We'll also get into the upcoming Dallas Safari Club convention, which is right around the corner. Then we'll wrap up the broadcast with a little segment I'm calling Pop-Up Blinds 101. Many of y'all listening today are probably much more accomplished and seasoned deer hunters than myself, uh, but I do love chasing big whitetails and I've just got some insight on what you can and can't get away with when it comes to putting up a pop-up blind in the middle of the season. So uh, stick around for that. Should be interesting and uh, maybe some insight provided there can help one of y'all tag a big buck this year. That's what we'll wrap up the show with. It's going to be a good one. I'm certainly pumped up about it, but hey, I'm always jacked to talk hunting and fishing with you guys and gals. A couple other things. Don't forget our December photo of the month contest is going on right now. This month's winner will get to pick out a pair of boots from the Texas Boot Company. That's right. I mean, like, you want a pair of Lou Casey's? This would be a good contest for you to win uh, because the Texas Boot Company is stepping up and sponsoring our December photo of the month contest. And then our 12 monthly winners... Uh, we'll get to uh, square off at the end of the year for a chance to hunt trophy axis deer or black buck with me down at the lovely Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. So send in your best hunting or fishing photo. Email it to LoneStarOutdoorShow at gmail.com. Better yet, if you send it to me on Facebook or Instagram, there's a chance I will share it on there as well. So you know where to find me. It's just Lone Star Outdoors Show on Facebook at Lone Star Outdoors Show on Instagram and Twitter. Um, what else here? Let's do a quick giveaway. I've got a bunch of Lone Star beer swag. Let's give away a vented fishing shirt, a black shirt with the Lone Star beer logo. Also a couple koozies and a Lone Star beer camo cap to the third person, the third person to text in the word hunting. That's hunting to 214-289-7807. Text in the word hunting to 214-289-7807. And you could win a Lone Star Beer prize pack. Let's knock out a quick break. We've got a lot to get into coming up next. We'll be joined by Jeremy Denson of Bison Coolers. You're listening to DSC's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hi, I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. 
Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Please keep buying your Polaris products from us. Send us your friends, your neighbors, all your hunting buddies, and I promise we'll keep giving the best deals on a brand new Polaris in all of Texas. Whether you're looking for a Polaris for work or play, whether you need a regular Ranger or maybe a Ranger Crew, an RZR, they've got an all-new Ace that you need to come test drive. We've also got four-wheelers from a youth model all the way up to the all-new Sportsman 1000. For your Polaris headquarters, Hoff Powers Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas is who you need to see all or get on the web and contact today. You can check us out at hpolaris.com. That's H's in Hoff Power, polaris.com. Or you can come see us at Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas. And folks, Hoff Powers has been in Central Texas for over 50 years now, and we couldn't have stuck around this long if we were steering you wrong. Rockwall Gun Club is North Texas' premier shooting facility, offering both indoor and outdoor ranges, including a unique 500-yard rifle range. If shotgunning's your thing, then check out the 18-station clay course. Opening summer 2014, Rockwall Gun Club is offering special introductory family and corporate membership rates for founding members. Located at 15950 State Highway 205, you can also visit rockwallgunclub.com or call 972-215-6902. Rockwall Gun Club, the private shooting experience. Hey, this is Razor Dobbs from Razor Dobbs Alive. Thank you so much for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I'm still hanging on to someone who's long gone who abandoned the house but left the lights on. I don't think I'll fall in love with you. I was on my way, I was trying to, but you got ahead and you led me off that trail. Pride of El Paso, Texas, the Dirty River Boys, off the trail, bringing us back on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show, brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff, Power Polaris. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I do appreciate you tuning in as we are set to get things going here. Uh, but before we talk about how to break into or how to start up a successful business, in a highly competitive uh, outdoor industry. This segment of the show is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. To get involved with this group of like-minded folks who are passionate about hunter advocacy, education, and conservation, check us out at biggame.org. And remember, save the date, January 7th through the 10th. It's the annual Dallas Safari Club convention coming up at the Dallas Convention Center. So put that on your calendar as well. Uh, let's go ahead now and bring on our first guest today. Uh, he's a good friend of the show, a passionate hunter who just returned from a wing shooting expedition in South Dakota. And he's also the owner of Bison Coolers. Jeremy Denson, thanks for dropping in, brother. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Great to have you with us. I understand you just returned from a, a pretty amazing hunt in South Dakota. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, out in the middle of nowhere in South Dakota on a pheasant hunt with Lone Tree Outfitters. Fantastic operation. Had a blast. Big group of us. We had between 9 and 13 hunters every day. We were able to limit out every day. So the bird population, definitely a lot healthier than it's been in past years. Awesome. How cold was it up there? We got off the plane. It was 15 degrees <laughs> with a, a 20 plus mile per hour wind. So needless to say, it was a little chilly. Uh, coming from Texas up there, we weren't quite expecting that. But uh it, it was definitely a great time, and, and it warmed up. The sun was out in the high 30s every day, so it turned out to be perfect when we were hunting. And they had they have some good dogs up there? 
that's the most impressive part about it is just seeing these working dogs, how smart they are, how well behaved they are, just weaving their way back and forth. It, it was absolutely incredible. Awesome. I love that. Love it. Um, what, what is your favorite thing to hunt? I'd say my favorite thing to hunt has got to be probably bird hunting. Um, I like pheasant and I love dove hunting, something that I can get out there with pheasant. It's fun because you're moving around and and you're working the fields and, and with dove hunting, it's just a great opportunity to get out there with some buddies and, and set up shop and just spend a morning or an evening, you know, spending some time together out in the field and, and hopefully bringing home a little bit of food. Yeah. So the social aspect, uh, obviously that's, uh, I think a lot of people gravitate to that just based on the number of dove hunters alone that we have in Texas, you know? Um, so, well, um, Let's go ahead and kind of get into what I, I wanted to discuss today because I think you have a lot of great insight you could offer uh, maybe a young entrepreneur out there that's looking to get into the outdoor industry. Uh, so a few years ago, you decided to take a big risk and dive headfirst into the extreme cooler game and uh, in the outdoor industry in general. Um, so what was it that made you decide to start manufacturing rugged, heavy-duty coolers? Right. So uh, back in 2011... Um, there really was only one or two high-end cooler manufacturers on the market. Mm -hmm. And so I felt that there was a need to sell up from your traditional cooler that's been around for the last several decades. Like my dad's Coleman. Like your dad's (laughs) Coleman cooler, right? That he's replaced the hinges and latches on (laughs) a couple of dozen times. I felt like there was a need to have some type of of sell-up product, a high-end product at a more affordable price point. Mm -hmm. So what we did is I got my dad to to go into business with me. He thought it was an absolutely terrible idea, (laughs) um, but he said, he didn't want to be a bad dad and not support me. And at that time, the cooler market was pretty small. Uh-huh. Uh, we were able to kind of get in early on that. So we've been in business for over four years now, um, but felt like there was just some type of market need in between the, your entry level cooler and a high end cooler at the right price point. A great product offering was a win-win scenario. Right, right. And it was originally called Brood Outdoors. Um, and then I guess what's been like a year and a half since we transitioned to bison coolers. Yeah, we started transitioning uh, in January of this year, um, and it's been somewhat of a so seamless just a year. Yeah, yeah, just a year. It, it's been somewhat of a seamless transition. I think we um, we anticipated that it would be a lot more difficult educating the consumer that brood outdoors is now bison coolers. But you know, this has been our best our best uh, year that we we've ever had in business, and I think people really like the new name. It has the same look and feel as the old brand, and I think that helped quite a bit too. Mm-hmm. And now this is family owned business based. Uh, you're based out of Keller, Texas. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, like I said earlier, my dad and I are the owners in the company, but we have my brother-in-law, Tyler. Uh, my wife, Emily, actually helps. And then uh, we have another guy on board named Jack who, who worked for my dad for, for several years beforehand. So, a, a nice, close-knit group. And we actually just hired our fourth full-timer, um, uh, a guy named Rich from South Texas, helping um, head up our, our sales network and, and grow the dealer network. Right on, right on. Well, Jeremy, from time to time, uh, folks ask me, how do I break into the outdoor industry? Usually it's young guys who are passionate about hunting and fishing and they want to make that, you know, they're living and why wouldn't they, you know, it's a great place to be. It's fun. It's exciting. Uh, the people that hunt and fish seem to be salt of the earth type of folks. And so I imagine you get asked the question a lot as well. What would you tell a young entrepreneur looking to carve out a place for themselves in the hunting or fishing community. I I think one of the differences is that you don't have to take a big risk right off the bat. Mm -hmm. So I'm fortunate enough to have the opportunity to work with some, some younger guys who are trying to start their own businesses and just asking for advice. And what I always tell them is start small. 
you don't have to go all in. You can still have a full-time job and do this on the side, but with where technology is today with social media, you can build these brands on a very tight budget. You can actually build prototype products with 3D printing and, and some of these other technologies out there that allow you to do things on a very small scale. You can prove out the market, and once you've proven the market, then you can grow that company and eventually turn it into a bigger business. Right, right. Okay, great insight there. Yeah, social media is uh, obviously something we're both very involved in uh, as far as growing your brand, and that's great because it's free. So uh, you can't beat that. Um now, this still isn't your full-time job, though. Yeah, ironically, as one of the owners of the company, I'm, I'm still not on board full-time <laughs> right now. Um, but I, I have a great full-time job, and we have a great team running the day-to-day -day operation. So I spend a lot of my nights and weekends, so I'm kind of a testimony to that. Hey, take, take low risk. Uh -huh. Um, start small and then eventually you'll work your way into it. So hopefully one day I'm on board full time and able to, uh, to come over and dedicate my set of two full-time jobs. I'll be down to one then <laughs> I can just focus on a little more heavily, but I, I definitely love my other job right now. So yeah. no complaints. Well, one thing that's important when it comes to taking a risk, big or small is family and their support. Now my wife, uh, she probably thought I had a screw loose in my noggin when I said I wanted to make a career out of hunting and fishing. Uh, but you know, she was supportive. Did your wife come around immediately and just say I'm all in or did it take a little while? Well, I think, I think she's kind of learned her lesson about just, uh, saying yes or, Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Whenever I ask her a question several years back, I told her, I'm like, I'm thinking about getting a motorcycle. And she's like, yeah, whatever you want. And the next day I bought a motorcycle and she's like, why did you do that? And was, you were on board with it. I think it was kind of the same approach with the cooler company. Um, when I told her, uh, you know, about bison coolers and, and kind of what my idea was, she goes, yeah, I, th I think that's a good idea, but I don't think she necessarily took it too seriously. And then when it started to happen, she jumped, she jumped in full bore. And so she's been a huge addition to the team. She helps run all of our social media and, and manage our field staff program. Mm -hmm. So she's definitely bought in now and a big supporter, which has been, you know, monumental and helping grow this business. Well, and you mentioned field staff, um, say there's somebody out there today listening who thinks they might be a good fit. How would they go about uh, applying or, you know, getting involved? Absolutely. So if you visit bisoncoolers.com, click on about and field staff, you'll see that we have this program on board for, for other outdoorsmen. It's just a great opportunity to network mm -hmm. um, w with fellow anglers and hunters and, and camping fanatics. And then we offer discounts for bison and about eight of our, our partners. But really, it's about building that network of other outdoorsmen. And, and, and we use this as a platform to help cross promote people. It's definitely the expectation isn't that you come promote bison. We want you to grow as well because the more successful you are, the more successful we are. So it's really a back and forth. It's a great opportunity for anybody who's really looking to, to, to start maybe potentially an outdoor career or they already have a guide or outfitter service. A great opportunity to come on board, meet some other people, and hopefully line up some new clients as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier that you guys came about at pretty much the right time, you know, when there wasn't. Well, completely saturated market and we've seen a lot of competitors come and go sparkle and fade look they're gone before anyone even knew they existed um so how have you guys continued to thrive and grow um well like we said there's there seems to be a new startup cooler company just about every week no absolutely i think in 2011, we, we didn't quite expect that there would be, you know, over a dozen competitors yeah. a few years later, but, um, the market itself has grown dramatically. So that's helped us. I think there's really two things that separate us from, from our competition. 
One is our, our products themselves and, and some of the features that we have, and I know we'll walk through those here in a second. Um, but two is really how we run the business. As a small family-run business, we run a really lean and mean team, and what we rely on is customer service and relationships. Building those relationships with not only our dealers, but our customers, and then making sure that no matter what, we always take care of our customers really separates us. We're not gonna nickel and dime you. We don't sell replacement parts on our website. If, if your dog eats your latch off your cooler, we're going to send you a new one at no charge. And I think that type of customer service really resonates well with people. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Um, okay, let's talk about the product itself. Now, every cooler is designed to do the same thing. Keep your stuff cold. And obviously for outdoorsmen, uh, yeah, cold beer is part of that sometimes. But, you know, you're on a, a trip into the backwoods. You've got to keep an elk cold for five days with limited ability to... Uh, you know, resupply your ice. So what makes bison coolers different? Yeah, I, th I think one of the biggest advantages that we have is I firmly believe that we offer the best value proposition on the market. So if you look at what our coolers have, you're right that every cooler is designed for maximum ice retention. But it's also the little features as well that really separate it. So our coolers, first and foremost, are true to size capacity. Um, there's a the big competitor out there measures their capacity dimensions from the outside. We measure ours from the inside. <laughs> so their 100-quart cooler is nearly identical in size to our 75-quart. So we're giving you more bang for your buck. Okay. We also have custom lid graphics on top, yeah. uh, dual drain plugs, a built-in ruler. We have some of the easiest latches to use, a locking lid, and best of all, it's made right here in America. So I, I, I think that really sits well with our customers seeing that big Made in USA emblem on the front. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's why we use uh, G&H decoys. You know, they're like the last great American-made uh, decoy company because a lot of stuff now, these, I mean, I don't know, 90% of everything is outsourced to China, it seems like. so. Yeah, we got to help bring jobs back here. And anytime, anytime I can buy American, I, I know that I love to. And, and I hope other people are making an effort to do so as well because be, bringing back manufacturing to the U.S. can can certainly help out the economy and, and reduce our dependency in a lot of uh, you know, external factors. Yeah. So. Well, um, you mentioned something that you can kind of do with your coolers to really customize it, um, which is the lid graphic, which I absolutely love. And we just gave one away to our uh, November photo of the month winner. And I tell you, we have a lot of great prizes throughout the year, but uh, whenever we do a, a bison cooler giveaway, I get more photo submissions. I mean, it's like <laughs> hundreds to go through. So we had a lot of, of good ones uh, this month and uh, it was cool. We did our uh, grand prize, um, photo of the month or photo of the year hunt uh, was a exotic hunt down in rock springs back in may and the guy who had won that uh he won one of the monthly contests and he won the the cooler and so he showed up with the lone star outdoors show bison cooler and got to put his axe to steer in there so that was pretty cool to see he that. got the two big prizes for yeah. the year yeah that's right he did he sure did um well like we said american made um talk a little bit about the product lineup as far as what all you guys offer Right. So we've kind of grown into more than just a hard cooler manufacturer. So all of our coolers are, are our hard coolers are roto molded, but we have five sizes available, 25, 50, 75, 100 and 150 quarts. So we like to think that we cover the small spectrum needed for a, going to a buddy's house to have a couple of beers up to a a big elk hunt that, that you can throw, you know, an entire quartered off elk inside. Yeah, so, which we did, by the way, it was awesome. <laughs> we love, we love to see that. Yeah. So we've got the five hard cooler lines, but then we've also introduced a soft pack line, which is, um, basically a small 12 can and 24 can version cooler that's collapsible, but it's not, 
like your grandma's cooler growing up. This sucker is tear resistant to 375 pounds. It has nearly an inch of insulation that keeps ice for up to 24 hours in 120 degree heat. Wow. We've got molly webbing on the back so you can add all your accessories and you know turn into a full dove hunting or deer blind cooler. Uh, we feel like we really hit a home run here. And best of all, it starts at $99. Wow. So about $200 cheaper than the competition yeah. on that front. <laughs> so you can go get, you, you can buy quite a few drinks for that for $200. So we're, yeah. we're pretty pleased with that. So we've also started introducing a cup lineup as uh-huh. well with some stainless steel double wall insulated mugs. So um, very pleased with those, but really just trying to grow the brand, offer some apparel, some hats and, and be more than just a cooler company. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Well, hey, great insight today. Uh, hopefully, you know, like you said, a little risk, but if you start small, anyone out there listening today, you know, keep that little tidbit in mind and, and just take it one step at a time. Absolutely. And and anyone listening out there that ever that ever has any questions, I, I'd be happy to help out. I, I feel like the, the, the more of us that can start small businesses and grow the outdoor industry, the better. So feel free to reach out to me at jeremy at bisoncoolers.com. I'd be happy to help out in any way I can. Awesome, man. Awesome. And the website is bisoncoolers.com. And then you've got uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, yep. you know, just whole, look us up at a gambit uh, on social media. That's right. At bison coolers. So you'll, you'll see us in all the, the, the main social media avenues. Awesome. Well, Hey, thanks for all you do. And thanks for dropping by today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. There he goes. Jeremy Denson of bison coolers, uh, Texas made Texas owned, uh, so go Texan if you are in the market for a cooler and uh, support Bison there, uh, good people. Uh, that segment of the show brought to you by Sendero Seed Company, Texas' premier seed company, offering anything and everything you need to keep a happy and healthy whitetail herd, including the Dr. Deer-backed Buck Forge oats. Check them out at SenderoSeed.com or call Rob Hughes at 1-877-610-SEED today. Let's take a quick break. Up next, we'll change things up, hit the Guadalupe River, and talk some bass fishing with Army Bass Anglers founder and president Cody Robertson. You're listening to Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Through the end of October, use the promo code TRUCKLOAD at TexasBootCompany.com to save 15% on your next pair of Ariat boots. Classic comfort, legendary value at the Texas Boot Company. Highway 71 and Old Austin Highway. Bastrop, Texas. LSC Trailer Sales offers a full line of utility trailers, from small single axle trailers to heavy equipment trailers, ATV trailers, car haulers, landscape trailers, cargo trailers, truck beds, and more. They can special order a custom trailer to fit your needs and have the ability to customize standard models in-house. LSC Trailer Sales is here to assist you with any questions that you have about trailers. Call 940-566-1133 or visit lsctrailersales.com. That's lsctrailersales.com. Are you looking for the perfect place to send your hunting buddy? Then check out Tioga Retrievers. With over 20 years experience, Angie and Tim Becker can provide you with a field champion or a well-rounded hunting companion. Tioga Retrievers takes pride in catering to the needs of each owner and their dog. Conveniently located 45 miles north of DFW in Aubrey, Texas, Tioga Retrievers also offers day training and boarding. Call 940-440-0018 or visit them online at www.tiogaretrievers.com. That's T-I-O-G-A retrievers.com. 
as a little Jonathan Tyler and the Northern Lights bringing us back on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Cable Smith here riding shotgun with you. Thanks so much for tuning in today as we are rocking and rolling. Uh, about to talk some bass fishing with our old buddy Cody Robertson of Army Bass Anglers. But first, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas, available once again this fall in the camo can. Grab a 12-pack on your way to the lake or lease and celebrate big tines and tight lines with an ice-cold Lone Star Beer. Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. All right. Without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and rip some lips here with our old friend Cody Robertson. He's been absolutely hammering them on the Guadalupe River. So this morning we're going to kind of take a look at how to fish a river system for largemouth bass, uh, Guadalupe bass as well, uh, since it is the Guadalupe River that we're going to be discussing. So anyway, let's bring him on now. He's a retired lieutenant colonel. U.S. Army, also the founder of Army Bass Anglers. It's our pleasure to welcome Cody Robertson back to the show. Hey, Cable. Thanks for having me. It's always good to be on your show. It is my pleasure. My pleasure. First of all, tell us what's new with Army Bass Anglers. Oh, well, uh, we've spent the last probably month and a half uh, with our planning conference. We just had our annual conference and locking in all the stuff for 2016, and so you're going to see Army Bass Anglers in a lot of uh, new major venues across the country. Probably the most notable one here in Texas. Uh, you'll actually see us at the Sealy Big Bass events this year. So we're looking forward to coming out to those events. And then, of course, we laid on some stuff down south uh, with the Sticks Outdoors and Fishing Show. And then uh, we've got the Bassmaster Classic again. And uh You've got Skeeter's Owners Tournament and all the Bass Champs events. And, uh, of course, Force on Force will be filming as well. We've got a new location. Uh, we're going to solidify that deal here in a couple of days. And so we'll be moving from Toledo Bend to a new, uh, let's call it Lake X location uh, for filming. And uh, so it should be good. We've got a lot of stuff planned and uh, new apparel coming out for the year and new activities for the guys. And so it'll be a lot of fun. Awesome, awesome. Always an exciting time when the, the classic rolls around, which we're going to talk a little bit more yeah. about uh, coming up here in a minute. But uh, first, let's talk some fishing. Uh, I understand you've been wearing them out on the Guadalupe River. Yeah, yeah. I've had, uh, you know, now that I'm uh, technically retired, <laughs> I've had a chance to go do some extra fun fishing on the side, you know, not in tournament. And I've been... Uh, since we're down here down south, I'm pretty close to the Guadalupe River, and so I finally got to get out there and do what I've always wanted to do is get to know the body of water a lot better in the river system, and mm -hmm. so it's been a lot of fun, and we found a lot of great spots, and we've just been whacking them. Well, so how does your approach change this time of year when fishing a relatively small river? Because Guadalupe is not, I mean, it's you know by no means a big river when you, when you think about some of the other right, uh, right. more well-known river systems. Um uh, so it's a you know small um, body of water compared to places that you, you're used to fishing like Canyon Lake or Falcon. Uh, so how does your approach change? Well, uh, it's kind of funny that you say that. Uh, with it being such a small body of water, I mean, first off, this time we, well, we're kind of in a transition period right now. Mm -hmm. uh, with the fall, we just kind of went from a square bill, you know, uh, crankbait type uh, pattern, and now we're into a jerkbait type pattern, but in terms of the body of water, 
you know, going from large bodies of water to a, a river system, and in this case, a relatively smaller river system, uh, your your electronics really can play a, a huge role because uh, based on what type of electronics you have with down imaging and side imaging, you can pretty much scan the entire river as you're traveling through the system uh, from one side of the bank to the other all the way down to the bottom. So it's basically 360-degree scanning. And if you don't see nothing, you just keep right on moving as you move through the river system. You're bouncing off of both banks and directly below you, and you can literally pick up the fish a lot quicker, a lot easier, which you know most tournament anglers know you want to eliminate as much of the water as quickly as possible. And that's why they, you'll see guys troll by and scan areas and then just pick up and move on. Well, when you're going through a river system, you're literally, as you travel down the river, you're literally eliminating the water system as you go through. Mm -hmm. And as you come across a turn or a bend or whatever, and they're stacked up there, they're so easy to spot uh, and a lot of times they're in, in large, uh, congregations, you know, or, you know, right there mm -hmm. and just drop, I mean, if it, depending on how shallow the water is, just drop your shallow water anchor and your power pole and start fishing. And so with the Guadalupe river being such a small body of water, I'm able to scan left and right and directly down. And as I come across, I'm literally eliminating as I idle down yeah. every, every inch of the water. Come across a turn, they're stacked up, and I mean, it's like it's almost like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> and and the water's pretty clear right now. Yeah, and then of course the Guadalupe to make matters even easier is it's relatively clear, so you can even do a little bit of sight fishing if you want. But as soon as you get through, you just drop anchor, bam! I mean, me and my brother went out. I took uh, my daughter's boyfriend out, took some friends out, and we've literally found about four turns in the river system where two uh basically it kind of wise into a v there mm -hmm. and basically they're all converging we've kind of figured out the pattern wherever we can find a y in the river system they're all converging on one of the four points right there and we just pull in drop the you know our power poles down and next thing you know we're tying on those livingston lures and just cranking them through there and i mean it's literally like almost back-to-back -back cast for solid four hours mm. And then you wear them out, and of course their lips hurt. So then we just move on over to the next point. Yeah, and so but it's been a lot of fun. And how how deep? I mean, obviously the the river's very full right now. This year's been a very wet year, uh, but on average, you know, what depth are you are you finding these fish at these, uh, these bins? Well, these fish in the Guadalupe, the river system there, unless you're in a turn, it's not very deep. Mm -hmm. So in most cases, we're finding them in about 5 to 12 feet of water. Uh, if you get into the shot with the Guadalupe, the shallower the water, the more stained it is. So you got to find the water that's a little bit deeper, then obviously the water clears up. Uh, and then in those turns, I think the deepest turn we found is maybe 27 feet deep. Huh. So we're not talking really deep bodies of water here. Yeah. Yeah. And so basically anything from about 5 to 12 feet of water on a turn. Hmm. Hmm. And, uh, and we're having a lot of luck and a lot of fun doing it. Well, you know, we used to have a lot of fun floating the Guadalupe when I was in college. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's so crazy to think about. I mean, there were places where we had to literally get off our inner tubes and push them because the water was, or carry them because the water was so shallow. 
Now, yeah. that's, uh, I mean, you couldn't even get a boat up and down it back then. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, and, and a lot of places where I go, there's lock, I, mean, I won't call them locking systems, but dams. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, where it's dropping off and not every part of the Guadalupe, like you just said, is boat worthy or boat capable. So you kind of got to, you got to do a little bit of homework before you leave the house and, uh, and go out there and check it out. And of course, some of the ramps, if there's no ramps, well, that's your first thing you care. Sure. You're probably not going to get a boat there. Yeah. There's several places you can put a boat in. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you find the fish, are they pretty aggressive right now, or is it a, a slow bite, or uh, how are they responding to the presentation? Well, right now it's been a pretty aggressive bite with fall turnover. They're all feeding and gorging themselves, getting ready for the winter months. Now, I'm going to give it maybe maybe another 15, 20 days since it hasn't really been all that cold down here in South Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, give them a few more weeks, and then I think they're going to slow down a bit and obviously start to suspend a little. And so makes for a perfect kind of jerk bait reactionary bite type situation. So that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier about it being a jerk bait season. Yeah. Uh, it'll tend to slow down. But, uh, you know, the, the best thing about the Guadalupe River is that it's a constant temperature river system. So, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the river system's always almost right around 55, 56 degrees. So the the ambient temperature of the air is not going to play that big a factor down here. Mm-hmm. But it is a seasonal pattern uh, for these fish to kind of gorge themselves and slow down. Just the fall turnover is not nearly as, I guess, um, impactful as some of the larger bodies of water with the river constantly moving and flowing at a certain temperature. Oh, yeah. I mean, when when a lake turns over, it pretty much shuts the bite down there for yeah. a or so. I yeah, mean, exactly. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, and so it's, we haven't seen, a, you know, they're right now they're being real aggressive, and, you know, they're pretty much smacking everything. Once you find them, they're pretty much smacking everything. The only thing I've noticed is, is a couple of color patterns. You know, the silver chrome shad, those types of patterns. And then uh, depending on how stained the water is, you know, I might change up the color just a little bit. But it's pretty much been narrowed down to about three different uh, color baits. And, uh, find, I mean, like I said, you're eliminating the whole system as you idle down it. So mm-hmm. it's been relatively pretty easy to find them. And if you get on a turn, I guarantee you're probably going to find them if there's any kind of brush or cover there. And now are you find them. mostly catching uh, largemouths or Guadalupe bass or smallies too? What's what what's uh... Uh, mainly largemouth and Guadalupe. Now the Guadalupe are obviously a little bit smaller species. Uh, they're just as much fun, but uh, mainly largemouth. And then we'll come around a turn, and we notice that they haven't been uh, they haven't been uh, schooling together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll come around one turn, and it'll be all largemouth. Then we'll come around another turn, and it'll be literally all Guadalupe's. And so it's been kind of interesting to, you know, to stumble across that as well. And we've dissected probably, I don't know, a good 20 miles of the river system uh, on these patterns. And so it's been, it's been fun. And, you know, like I said, I'm getting to fun fish a lot more. So I'm learning a lot more about what's in my backyard and and places to go and have a good time. Uh, How big do largemouths get in that river system. I mean, what's the biggest fish you guys have caught lately? I, I imagine it's well, uh, smaller than a couple of, uh, like yeah. know, a big lake. Right. A couple of, I guess it was probably, it's been about maybe six months ago. The biggest uh, fish we pulled out was fishing on, 
television show called The Texas Fisherman with Scott Simmons, and uh, we were fishing the same system. And uh, we, you know, Scott was telling me about it, and we were having a, basically a similar conversation. So we went out there, and uh, earlier in the spring, we were throwing uh, flukes uh, up in shallow water, about three, four feet of water, and in most cases, it was about three feet or less, and just twitching flukes up through the grass. And uh, Scott landed a six and a half pounder oh, up wow. in there. The biggest one I've seen come out of there is probably seven. Uh, average fish is typically between a pound and a half and I'm going to say right at two and a half, maybe three pounds, but almost every cast, uh, that I've been, you know, we've been landing solid two pounders and, you know, all, you know, tournament size fish, hmm. a lot of fun. Uh, it was a great spawn this year for the river system. So there's a lot of little bucks up in there. Uh, so I give it another year and there's going to be even more fish up in there. It'll be interesting to see what the spring looks like. but Yeah. Let's go ahead and talk Bassmaster Classic here. It's uh, coming up. Classic got moved this year from typically, historically, it's almost always been in February. Yeah. And for 2016, it has been moved to March, and we're going back to Oklahoma. Yeah, Tulsa, right, okay, which is where it was in 2013. We were talking off the air about how um, the Classic or any other, you know, significant tournament for that matter um is awarded to a city and you know i always thought oh well these tournament trails just kind of say oh we haven't fished here lately or hey this is a great fishery but there there's some behind the scenes uh you know (laughs) you know handshakes going on basically the chamber of commerce from these cities actually pays let's just say the elite series for example to bring the tournament there right right yeah a lot of people don't know they don't just i mean obviously there's other things that go into picking out a location one can the you know the body of water is a good fishery mm-hmm. you know two uh lodging in expo centers uh we'll use the elite series or the bassmaster classic as a great example when you're expecting an attendance of upwards of a hundred thousand people coming in from all across the country well obviously lodging is a huge factor yeah and then, you know, the body water's got to be good because they want to have a good turnout, you know, tournament experience uh, for television and stuff like that. And does it have an expo center? Well, you take all those things into consideration, and most of your major tournament trails, they'll do what's called an economic impact study. And that study is taken to the Chamber of Commerce, and they'll say, for example, let's say the study shows that they're going to have an economic impact of, let's say, $5 million yeah. over a course of a five-day period of time. Well, then, of course, the Chamber of Commerce goes, yeah, we want you know fresh dollars coming into our city or our state or our location. We'll pay you X amount to bring your event and host it here, and we'll comp X, Y, and Z. So that's how a lot of the tournament trails make their money because the money they make from entry fees has to go back into the payout. Right. So that's how a lot of those major tournament trails operate and pick location. Mm -hmm. And if you see them going back to a location over and over again, usually it's not because the body of water is great. It's because the lodging is there, the expo center is there, and they have a great rapport with the Chamber of Commerce Who's writing the check? You know, who's writing the check, and are they willing to do? Yeah, and usually that's and that's indicated. That's a 
indicative of how much the economic impact had on the city. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if it worked, then of course the chamber is going to be like, bring it on in. You know, that's another $5 million of fresh dollars coming into our economy for our, you know, our local businesses and communities. Yeah, it's just like investing. I mean, if I give you you spend money to make money. Exactly. You just hit it right on the head. There's some interesting insight there for like, myself like i said i wasn't aware of that and i imagine a lot of our listeners uh weren't aware of that either majority yeah that's all the behind the scenes stuff right yeah yeah so um well hey let's uh let's go ahead and give our predictions your your top three anglers uh i've got my horses lined up i think uh, i'm gonna go with dean rojas aaron martins and casey ashley i think one of those guys uh will take home the classic championship uh who are your top three well, you know, you, you took Casey Ashley off of my list, so I'm going to have to go with uh, our Texas boy, uh, Keith Combs. Uh, and I'm going to have to go with uh, Randy Howe, our friends over at Livingston Lures. Uh, he's fishing with incredible technology. And then last but not least, uh, the guy who's got the most championships of anybody and everybody, Kevin Van Dam. That's like picking the Patriots or the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go out on a limb now, there. <laughs> right, right. Now we need to put a wager on it. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, we'll think of something. We'll, we'll we'll come up with a with a bet for that. We've got until March. So, if you want to give us Sounds your uh, all of y'all's contact info, social media outlets, real quick. Sure, sure. You can visit us at www.armybassanglers.com on the website. You can follow us on uh, Facebook at Army Bass Anglers, Twitter at Army Bass Anglers, Instagram at Army Bass Anglers, and you can follow us at Google Plus on the Hua channel. And then, of course, the World Fishing Network uh, will be airing again in March, uh, Season 5. And uh, that's how you can find us. Well, Cody, uh, thank you for your service. Uh, Thanks to all of our servicemen and women out there and all that you guys do at uh, Army Bass Anglers. been great working with you all over the past five six years now and um once again the mission statement support defend fish you guys live that day in and day out we appreciate it well thanks for having us on again cable we always enjoy being on the show and uh being a part of your your huge listening audience thanks for having us and we'll talk to you next time well there he goes cody robertson of army bass anglers our longtime buddy uh tournament angler and founder of one of my all-time favorite organizations. And that segment, by the way, proudly brought to you by Pulsar, where they continue to set the gold standard in both night vision and thermal imaging technology. Go to PulsarNV.com to check out their full lineup and keep your prey in sight day or night with Pulsar. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get into some recent news coming out of South Africa concerning high fence hunting and the ethics behind it. Our old friend and Dallas Safari Club Executive Director Ben Carter drops by next, only on DSC's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Well, I don't have enough to pay my rent, but I ain't gonna wear it though. I've got time for one more round and a six-pack to go. If you're in the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person 
at Bobcat of Dallas Louisville, Bobcat of Fort Worth, and Bobcat of Longview. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000 today. The Central Flyway migration of ducks and geese is going to be epic. And if your trigger finger is getting that itch, then give Ed Hansen of Hansen Outdoors a call. Now booking trips in the northeast Texas area. Hunt lakes like Cooper or Lake Fork for $150 a gun or hunt Ed's private hunting holes for $200 a gun. You'll also enjoy amazing dog work with Retriever Champion Lead. Isn't that right, Lead? Visit HansenOutdoors.net to book your trip today or give Ed a call at 903-521-4595. And right now only book a four-man duck hunt and bring a fifth hunter for free. LSC Trailer Sales offers a full line of utility trailers, from small single-axle trailers to heavy equipment trailers, ATV trailers, car haulers, landscape trailers, cargo trailers, truck beds, and more. They can special order a custom trailer to fit your needs and have the ability to customize standard models in-house. LSC Trailer Sales is here to assist you with any questions that you have about trailers. Call 940-566-1133 or visit lsctrailersales.com. That's lsctrailersales.com. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Hi, this is Fred Eichler with Easton Bow Hunting and Predator Nation. Thanks for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Come on and let me turn you on. Let's get it right from the start. We got a smoke and a silver and gold. We got a heart for the rhythm and a rock and roll. Something's shaking and it just won't stop. Let's get to moving for the car to Cable Smith welcoming everybody back to Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff. Power Polaris, Ryan Bingham, Heart of Rhythm coming at you as we are about to get into a little hunting ethics discussion, specifically pertaining to South Africa and the widely popular practice of shooting lions behind a high fence enclosure. Uh, so this should be interesting, and Dallas Safari Club's Executive Director Ben Carter will join us momentarily, but first... This segment of the show is brought to you by Hercules Hunting Blinds. Texas made and Texas owned. Hercules, well, how do I put this? It's like, uh, it's freaking sweet. It's like the Taj Mahal of hunting blinds. We had three people in mine out at the lease the other weekend. One was filming, two of us hunting. Uh, we've got, you know, cup holders in there, shelves, carpet. Uh, I don't know how many windows, but it's got windows for both rifle and bow hunters. So that's pretty sweet. Check it out. HerculesHuntingBlinds.com. Uh, all right. Well, let's go ahead now and bring on our old friend, Mr. Ben Carter, the executive director of Dallas Safari Club. We've got a lot to get into. Ben, thanks for joining us as always. Well, glad to be here. How are you doing? Oh, I can't complain. Doing what I love to do, talking, hunting, and fishing. And uh, I understand you just got back from a pretty, uh, a pretty long stay over in South Africa, but... Uh, I think this was a, a business trip, not a, a hunting excursion. Yes, unfortunately. Well, it, it, I always love going over there, whether it's a business trip or a hunting trip. Uh -huh. This was actually the go. We we are good partners, and one of our major organizations that supports the Dallas Safari Club is FAZA, which is the Professional Hunters Association of South Africa. 
uh, and that that meeting is one week for about three days. The first week we're there, and then you have a little break between that, and then we go down to Namibia and go to the Namibian Professional Hunters Association's uh, annual meeting. And uh, yeah, they were uh, both meetings were good. Uh, uh, you know, as a lot of things have been in the hunting world lately, there's there's some things out there that are, I guess, controversial or, or at least something that's that's come up on the radar screen that that uh, with problems that we've had to address. And and I want to applaud FAZA for for addressing the issues that that they've uh, that they've been thinking about and and. Uh, 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 both organizations, I think, are two of the stronger uh, professional hunting association organizations out there in the in the world, and, and mm-hmm. uh, we're good partners with them. They support us, and we support them as well. Right on. And so, maybe talk about some of the highlights or the you know the the pressing issues that that were brought up uh, well, at these the, meetings. One of the biggest things was uh, the 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 idea of canned hunts, and mm-hmm. and you know as sportsmen. We have to be aware and cognizant of of what how, what we do and the role that it plays. As we're always continuing to tell people, the role it plays as far as it uh, reply, uh, refers to conservation mm-hmm. and uh, canned hunting is is an activity that, while it's legal in a lot of places, it's never going to be socially acceptable, and it and it it hurts our image as hunters and it and it hurts our ability to continue to hunt and do sustainable use hunting which actually does enhance wildlife mm-hmm. and uh faza adopted a policy of of uh not not approving uh proving canned hunts or captive bred raising of of lions uh and people being able to do uh to sell those and, or, or do that activity, they 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 Baza does not support that. And uh, uh, you know we we've got to take stronger uh, stands on things like that so that uh, we can continue to be looked at as the stewards of wildlife and not as as somebody trying to make money off of it. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, I think this was a good step and a good position for Faza to take on that position and well, uh we, we support them 100 percent. well let me ask you this because uh for anyone out there listening this morning who thinks you know i don't know what kind of preconceptions people have about south africa but a lot of it is hunting that's done behind high fences um and a lot of times these are big big pastures thousands and thousands of acres uh but um you know at the same time well it is it is high fenced and but in Africa, it's more for the protection of the animals. I think against poachers, uh, you know, really the conservation effort. High fences seem to be necessary over there more so than other places. Right. And, you know, South Africa is is a model of of uh, of what wildlife can do, mm-hmm. and and uh, it's probably got more wildlife than almost any any country over there, and an awful lot of it is behind high fences and. Uh, but the wildlife is flourishing because it's being managed properly, mm-hmm. and and uh, and you'd still have a very wild experience even when it's on a on a behind a, a high fence. Oh, area. sure. Very similar to what we have here in Texas, where we've got a number of ranches that have all types of animals on there, and it's behind a high fence. The fence is more for management to to make sure that you can not over overuse the the. Uh, 
the landscape that you you know you can manage it in a responsible way and it, it's a tool uh, more than anything mm-hmm. and I think the results of what we have here in Texas and what you have it like in South South Africa and Namibia is proof of that. I mean, the wildlife is flourishing, and these are people. People are managing it, spending money and time and effort to make sure that the wildlife is is uh, actually thriving. And, right. Uh, it's a great experience. Whether you're going to go hunting or whether you're going to go over there and take a photo safari, you're going to see an awful lot of animals that uh, uh, that you wouldn't see otherwise if it was not for the good management principles that they have. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, for example, we've both hunted at the uh, the Star S Ranch down in mm-hmm. Mason. Uh, right. Beautiful place. Total, I think it's about 14,000 acres. And I hunted Gemsbuck, and uh, it was a 4,000-acre pasture. That's a lot of land. And, yeah. you know, uh, that hunt was uh, every bit as, as challenging as, say, a West Texas antelope hunt that I did last year. It's a lot of time glassing, a lot of time driving around, covering as much land as you can trying to find a mature bull let's say you've got a lion in a hundred acre pen that's obviously a canned hunt um but the but the real problem is people think oh high fence it's just automatically a canned hunt no matter how big the property is well that's absolutely right and and on many you know most species uh can adapt to the the landscape that they're in Mm -hmm. but but like you mentioned in texas uh you know in a reasonable amount of size of land there can be animals that live there that are never seen if they don't want to be seen. Oh yeah, uh, totally, totally uh, wild experience. And uh, Africa, uh, all those ranches is exactly the same too. Their their habitat is actually healthier than it is in places where there's where it's not high fence because it's managed. Yeah, they don't let it be overpopulated, and they they uh, they put the time and effort and money into making sure that the habitat's as good as it can possibly be. Mm-hmm. Which makes for a better experience on the hunting side of it, as well as from the, uh, the I think the welfare of the wild, of the animals themselves. Right. Well, let me play devil's advocate here because you know we've both just said okay, we believe you know that there's nothing ethically wrong with high fenced hunting. A hunter knows what's ethical and what's not ethical. Um, if you get in a situation where you're like this animal's not wild, this it's basically in a pen, then obviously that's uh, not something that we're either one of us are in favor of. Why is it okay to shoot a, let's just say, Gems Buck or an Oryx or Gazelle, anything, behind a high fence, and not okay to shoot a lion behind a high fence? That's the question people are going to ask. Well, and I think the answer to that is, again, I mean, the ethical part of hunting is is it really a burden on each individual. Mm-hmm. You've got to determine what you consider is ethical because... Uh, while FAZA is 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 not supportive of it of of a so-called can hunt, it still is probably it's going to be able. There's, it's still going to be able to have that. The the problem is going to be uh, if you're from the United States and you went on one of those hunts, uh, you will not be able to import it into the U.S. Because mm-hmm. from what I understand, U.S. Fish and Wildlife is going to uh, change the the uh, the the standards on on uh, on actually they're going to uplist the the lion to threatened hmm. and with a threatened uh, listing uh, you can only import lions if you can prove that there's enhancement to the species by whatever the area is that you're you're uh, hunting in and having uh, bred you know bred lions released in a in a in an enclosure or in, even in a 
even in a relatively large area, is not going to pass the test for enhancement. And if you don't pass the test for enhancement, it will not be importable. Mm-hmm. And so what that's really going to mean is uh, hunters in the U.S. that have been going to South Africa to shoot lions that were in a maybe a very large fenced off area. Maybe mm-hmm. it's you know maybe it's a couple thousand acres. I've, actually, one of my best friends acres. just shot one that was in a twelve thousand acre pasture. Yeah. Uh, so, but the, you're not gonna. Uh, this has not happened yet. But from mm-hmm. everything I, I I've heard, uh, the Fish and Wildlife is going to make that that change uh, right after the first of the year. And if that's the case, people hunting lions in in even a two thousand or three thousand or ten thousand acre enclosure, it will not be importable because mm-hmm. it it uh, uh, you can't show that. Enhancement uh, by that does not create enhancement by having them in an enclosure like that because it's not a, a wild free ranging area. Uh, if you can do improvements in the area where where you can show the enhancement part of it, then that, then that's something that they they might consider. You mm-hmm. know that where there, where there's a a benefit to the lions, then then they can say, okay, this is a viable model that will work. So let's let's uh, yeah, we can let people keep hunting them because the hunting's what making making the, the their habitat better or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when they're inside, when when they're only raised to be in a pen, it, it's a whole different kind of light on things. And, and I, again, I think we have to be very careful and cognizant of of how that even looks to people that that uh, that don't hunt because uh, we're challenged every day by the general public you know 80% of the population lives in cities now they're not they don't know much about wildlife we've got to do everything we can to paint as positive and as uh, uh, good a picture as we can on wildlife management mm-hmm. okay well so to me it just it sounds like this and you can correct me if I'm wrong but um, all these these uh, planes game let's just take South Africa again um, as an example all these plane planes game species that people hunt over there most of them are reproducing naturally in these environments, even though they're high fenced. Even like in South Texas, I mean, right. they've got gemsbuck, sable, kudu, naturally reproducing herds now. It sounds like the lions are just being kind of bred and then turned out one or two at a time just to be hunted and shot. And so they're not getting the chance to reproduce naturally. And so I, I kind of guess that's where the, um, the fact that it's not beneficial to the lion uh, species overall is kind of what right that, that's really what the bottom line is yeah. is the whole general population of lions is on a downward trend mm-hmm. and so uh even if you have select areas that have a small say you know ten thousand acres whatever it is maybe that's got a very healthy population in that area but that's not really a indicator that the whole population is doing well right it, right it, uh, it's almost an indicator that that population is doing well because it has been manipulated versus what would happen naturally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that all makes sense. Uh, fascinating stuff there. But let's uh, let's shift gears here and uh, get into the convention. Conservation is the name of this year's convention. It's coming up January 7th through the 10th. And uh, I'll let you kind of tell us sure. uh, what you're looking forward to about this year's convention. Oh, the convention. convention's... Looking, looking to be the be- biggest and best ever. We're going to have uh, close to 2,000 booths that will be made up of over a probably almost 1,100 exhibitors from all over the world. There'll be everything you can imagine in the outdoor world, from from guns to wildlife art to guides and outfitters on every continent on the planet. Uh, 
There's uh, gun makers. We have a whole section up in, in one part of the hall that will have nothing but gun makers. Oh, from, yeah. You know, custom gun makers to, you know, your major brand ma- manufacturers to uh, uh, bullet bullet makers. Uh, there's all kinds of optics. There's, uh, you know, fishing trips. There's there's anything you can think of in North America. There's, there's uh, South America, Europe, uh, the Arctic, uh, Canada. Uh, just guides and outfitters from all over the world uh, selling trips and adventures that that you can't hardly buy anywhere else. And uh, of course, we have a lot of things going on do, during that. We have uh, a number of items on the, that you can buy raffle tickets for. We have silent auction where you can bid on silent auction items. And then each evening we'll have uh, our banquets where we'll have uh, live auctions with with donated items from our exhibitors and. Uh, trips all around the world, guns, art, uh, yeah. all that sort of thing. It's just, it's it's the place, it will become the center of the hunting universe for that week. Uh, all the people in the in the U.S. as well as even overseas that are interested in, in what we do and, and what our our passion is, uh, come there for, for a week to talk, catch up with old friends and, and visit with people they've hunted with and, and you know, book hunts or trips, and and uh, it's just a it's just a great experience, and it's it's a great way to start off the new year. Oh yeah, and that's actually where I booked my uh, black bear hunt last year. You know, you, you look around, uh, talk to a bunch of different outfitters, find the one that's the best fit for you. Uh, plus, there'll be panel discussions from you know outdoor industry experts and personalities like Jim Shockey, uh, Larry Wisehoon, Jim Zumbo, so on and so forth. So I, I always look forward to that as well. Um, and it's coming up, like we said, January 7th through the 10th at the Dallas Convention Center. I encourage folks to uh, go to Dallas Safari Club's website for more information. And that is, and then uh, you can also find DSE on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Ben, uh, thanks for all you do, my friend. It was great touching base with you today and I uh, look forward to seeing you very soon. That sounds good. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you there. We'll see you soon. All right. Take care. All right. Dallas Safari Club's Executive Director, Ben Carter. Always appreciate him dropping in. And actually, I'll be out at the convention all four days uh, volunteering as uh, the entire event is put on by volunteers. That's what makes uh, Dallas Safari Club such a great organization. So come say hi. I'll be out there and should be easy to find, I imagine. So uh, come Talk some hunting and fishing with me. Love to trade war stories with you. Uh, That segment of the show, by the way, brought to you by Rudy's True Texas-Style Barbecue and STI Guns, Texas-made and Texas-owned. Check out their full lineup of pistols at sticuns.com and go Texan, go STI. We're about to take a break here, but first I want to clear something up, and I feel like, well, obligated to give you my take on high fence hunting. I don't know if it was lost or uh, maybe a little convoluted in our discussion there, uh, but I've hunted high fence places for mostly exotic species, uh, big places ranging from 600 acres to 14,000 acres, and never uh, in any of those situations have I come across animals that weren't 100% wary and afraid of humans. I mean, they're being hunted they know they're being hunted a lot of the time, and they try to stay the hell away from you. Now, let me uh, caveat that by saying I'll never be as impressed with an animal taken B-17 
behind a high fence as I would with uh, something comparable or even a, a lesser quality. Uh, take a white-tailed deer, for example, that was taken on a no-fence, free-range condition. I mean, <laughs> those animals are always going to be more impressive, to me anyway. Uh, they, they simply are, and, and uh, that's just the fact. So there you have it. My take on high fence hunting anyway. Uh, let's take a break. Up next, we'll get into uh, a situation that I had at my deer lease actually last week. And uh, we're going to get into pop-up blinds. To pop up or not to pop up? When should you put them out? And how will the deer respond? That's coming up next only on DSC's Lone Star Outdoors show. Pretty paper. Pretty ribbons of blue Wrap your presents to your darling from you Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The system is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Hey, North Texas sports fans, this is Brian Spagnola, General Manager of Texas Motor Cars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. I hear the rustle of the leaves, is it a buck or the breeze? My heart rate's rising with every beat. Then right in the open, bent down in the stream, was the biggest damn deer that I'd ever seen. But I was ready. Yeah, I was ready. That is the deer hunting song from Kyle Hunt. <laughs> Great tune there, bringing us back on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show, brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Cable Smith here, and we are set to talk some deer hunting here uh, momentarily, uh, specifically when and where to use pop-up blinds. But first, this segment of the show is brought to you by Scent Blocker. Check out their Cyber Week flash sale it's going on right now at scentblocker.com. Every day this week, they've had a different item that you could save big on from the alpha suit to an accessories pack. You name it. Here's the great news. This Sunday only, uh, the entire list of items that were on sale all week during Cyber Week will be on sale on Sunday only. That's Sunday, December 6th. Go to scentblocker.com to take advantage of huge savings on all of your favorite hunting gear, hunting suits, apparel, accessories, and the whole nine yards. Scentblocker.com. Check it out. 
All right. Well, uh, this past week, a good buddy and I headed up across the Red River to my whitetail lease and uh, had a couple bucks that I've been chasing pretty hard, starting with archery season and on into uh, the rifle season. And I've got setups on various uh, feeders as well as, you know, travel corridors, pinch points. Anyway, uh, I've got a good number of deer that are coming to a feeder in the back of the property. Now, the does are there every day. Bucks, eh, they show up randomly, as big bucks will, um, and really have no interest in the feed itself, just are there because the does are there. It's that time of the year. The girls are driving the boys crazy, and they kind of lose their heads. Anyway, uh, the stand that I have set up there is very close to the feeder, and uh, really it's it's just impossible to sneak in and out of there undetected because there's always deer around, and you're going to get busted. So, came up with uh, a couple ideas. The first was to just sit under a cedar tree at the top of this ridge, uh, about 275 yards away. Which, you know, without having a great rest, uh, that's a little bit more of a poke than I wanted to take, if I didn't have to. Uh, So, we started thinking about, well, we've got, you know, pop-up blind we could put up. And after a brief discussion, that seemed like the best option. But then there's that school of thought out there from a lot of folks that, hey, if you're going to put a pop-up out, you need to have it set before the season or, you know, a week or two in advance from when you're actually going to hunt that pop-up because the deer need to get used to it or you're going to spook them. Well, after an interview we did with Bill Winkie a couple years ago on pop-up blind hunting or ground blind hunting, uh, I was led to believe that was a load of hogwash. So... I thought back to what Bill had told me. He'll go in, set up a pop-up the day before a hunt. And so, you know, keeping that in mind, that's what we chose to do. We set up the blind about 110 yards from the feeder. We brushed it up a little bit. I mean, we really didn't invest a lot of time and energy in that. Uh, but, you know, like I said, we didn't set the blind out in the wide open either. So set it on the uh, the tree line there. Now, we did pay attention to the wind direction. I mean, that goes without saying. Uh, you, you do have to play the wind. Let me tell you. That next morning when we hopped in, there were deer all over us. They did not care in the least that that pop-up blind was now in their area. So as long as the does are comfortable this time of year, like I said, the big boys will be there. They'll be checking. They might stay around the periphery. Probably not going to come into a feeder. Rarely does a big buck get killed at a feeder. Uh, but, you know, things change this time of the year because they kind of throw caution to the wind a little bit more than they normally would do. So anyway, we had a uh, successful hunt, saw some nice bucks, didn't give uh, a clean shot at one, but the deer did not seem to mind. And so I'll be right back in that same pop-up blind this afternoon. Karen dang you that. And I want to thank uh, Bill Winky, great outdoor writer, uh, deer hunting expert, and the host of uh, Midwest Whitetail. Anyway, Bill is the one who uh, told me long ago that it's fine to set up a pop-up. Uh, you don't have to do it way in advance from the time you're going to hunt it and actually bill is a strictly a bow hunter for the most part and so he's really putting those pop-ups in at close range and he takes a lot of precaution on scent control sometimes even uh, duct taping or sealing the bottom of the blind so that no air can get in or out Uh, but you can go check out that uh, interview it's archived on our website at LoneStarOutdoorsShow.com. Just search Winky. I'm sure you can find it. 
And that whole discussion we had on pop-ups and ground blinds uh, should come up. And keep in mind, I'm no expert deer hunter. I will be the first to admit that. I love whitetail hunting, but I learn something new every time I go into the woods. And uh, I try to pick the brains of people that know more about me and retain as much knowledge as I can to become a better hunter. And I think that's what we're all trying to do here. So anyway, my two cents, throw that pop-up blind up there and hop on in it because you're not going to hurt anything. And who knows, you might even end up tagging the biggest buck of your life. Well, all right, uh, just looking at the clock here, uh, we've got to go, got to get out of here. That segment, by the way, proudly brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit, who since 1917 has been helping its borrowers finance real estate loans, rural home loans, and farm and ranch loans. Go to LoneStarAgCredit.com to let them finance your piece of Texas today. Uh, real quick, I do want to thank all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show. I hope all y'all have plans to hit the woods this weekend. I've got a date with my pop-up blind coming up right about now. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Because I'm just a country boy. Money have I none. But I've got silver in the stars and gold.